0: And welcome to the Access Ninja Podcast, where I bi weekly podcast where we talk about accessibility through the lens of technology, life, and design. I'm Jonathan.
1: And I'm Rachel.
0: How are you doing today, Rachel?
1: I am doing well, and I'm very excited because, you know, we had WWC.
0: Yeah, the WWDC Conference
1: 2019
0: just happened. Uh, it's what just ended. Uh, we're recording now on Saturday and Friday. Last Friday was the last day. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with what uh, WWDC is, it stands for Worldwide Developer Conference that Apple runs. And it's a conference for their developers. And they kind of launch and preview what's going to come out in, uh, in the fall as far as updates to their operating systems. That would be the, for the iPhone, the iPad, the Mac, the Apple Watch, the Apple TV, the HomePod even. And uh, we get a good preview. They show what's coming out, what the new features are going to be, and even give out new tools for developers to work on. So it is a very exciting time for uh, people who are into the Apple platform.
1: Yay, meaning us. <laughs> no, and also, um, you know, today that means we talk about design and development and technology. That's right. And this
0: was a pretty huge uh, developer conference. We talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Google's because they have Google IO, and Apple's conference, uh, is at WWDC, and uh, it was pretty, it was, uh, it was pretty big and Pretty big day, a lot of announcements, a lot of updates, a lot of really new and exciting things.
1: Yeah, I don't even know where to start.
0: So we're going to talk, of course, about some of the new accessibility features that have come out for those platforms. But before we jump into those specific features, I think we should just give a general overview about some of those new announcements. And uh, why not start with iOS, which is by far their most popular platform. That's the operating system running on the uh, on the iPhone.
1: Yay! Let's start.
0: So, they announced they're going to be launching iOS 13 coming out this fall. So, we don't have a specific date. We'll know in a, in a month or two as we get closer when that'll come out. And one of the big features that they announced, which is not necessarily an accessibility feature, but I know a lot of low-vision people are going to appreciate it all the same, is a new feature called Dark Mode. And so dark mode, this is really popular with developers. By default, the user interface on the iPhone and the iPad and on the Mac is that of a brighter display. That is usually with a white background and black text on top of it. And so we got a lot of brightness coming off of the display. And uh, it looks very nice. But something that developers or people who spend a lot of time sitting in front of the computer prefer is a dark interface. That's with a black background with white text. Less Uh, Less light coming out of the display, and it can be a little easier on the eyes, and it has a very different look and feel to it. Uh, Now, the Mac got dark mode uh, on its last update uh, a year ago, but now uh, iOS is getting that as well.
1: You know, I don't see my screen at all, but sometimes I dim like to almost zero, so I don't feel the light on my face because I'm usually really close to my display but the way that I'm sitting. And, um, yeah, I wonder if that would would really make a difference.
0: I think it would. And uh, I've got a lot of customers I work with who – uh, like to invert the colors. That's a feature that's been on iOS and iPad for a long time. That forever. For a lot forever. And it does a somewhat similar thing. What it does is, you know, making the background black and the foreground white. But it also uh inverts all of the colors. So the user interface might have been designed with certain colors to infer a certain meaning. And all those get reversed, like you're looking at a negative uh, on a uh, of a of a film, if people still know what that looks like, because that's you know analog film.
1: Hey, I don't even know how that looks like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but everything looks looks weird when you do that because the user interface wasn't designed for those colors. But you end up with a, a darker uh, a darker background. Some people find that contrast is easier to read, or it's easier on the eyes if someone has a light sensitivity.
1: So, what is the difference between? the color inversion in the dark
0: mode. So with invert colors, let's say someone chose, a very common thing is to use the color blue to represent a link on a web page. So as you're looking through a web page, if you see text that's blue, that immediately tells you that's a link. I know what that is. It infers meaning and purpose. It might be a slightly different color for your buttons. So the color kind uh-huh. of gives you an idea about what things are uh, without having to click on it. Uh, just like when you're using voiceover, you end up on, on an item that's a button. It tells you it's a button. So you know, you know, oh, I can press that. Oh, it's going to do something. The color is inferring that same meaning in a visual way. But when you invert the colors, blue becomes orange. So wow. all of a sudden that universal color that everybody's like, oh, yeah, blue. Blue is a lick. Uh, if I invert the colors, it's not blue anymore. I don't get, I don't get to benefit from the, the color design that the, design, that the uh, developer used to infer that meaning. And I don't get a universal or consistent experience with someone who's not using invert colors. But with dark mode, we get to maintain the color scheme or we get a color scheme that's better designed for a dark interface. So another example would be uh, contrast can still be an issue is if you've chosen a dark blue, to be your color and you change to a dark background you end up with you know very low contrast and that also in a vision right. situation can be off so the developer it can tell now oh the user's turned on dark mode they might change the brightness or the hue of their colors slightly to something that's going to be more uh, easily red with a dark background so it's an optimized so as far as design goes you have an, a user interface that's optimized for those darker colors and you get all those cool benefits. So
1: There we go. We learned a little bit about design.
0: And another thing uh, that's just amusing more than anything is if you watch a movie and there's someone doing computer hacking, they almost always have a dark mode. It's almost always a black background with white text. So you can turn on dark mode if you want to feel like a hacker from the 80s. So dark mode's going to be coming to iOS. So that's going to be on the iPhone and the iPad. The Mac already has that, as we mentioned. And so that'll also be nice. We'll have a a consistent uh, feature set across both of all those platforms. So there's also improvements coming to the Photos app, uh, specifically more curation features. Uh, An example they had in the keynote uh, was as you take photos throughout the year, you might have, you know, hundreds of thousands of photos at some point. Guilty. (laughs) And so it's hard to, to surface the photos, the old photos, you haven't seen in a while. So they've got a new view in the photos mode now that lets you view your photos by day, month, week, or year. But what it does is if you choose day, so their example was he chose a day that was his daughter's birthday. And when he looked at the day view, it would show him photos from that day from the years back. So from this year to the previous year to the previous year. And it was all on the same day. So he could actually see his daughter getting younger, by looking at the photos going backwards because it was always a photo of her on her birthday. It's not going to be as as strictly as like, hey, it's just this one day. If you choose one week, it's going to see that maybe something significant happened that week. Oh, it's your anniversary week. I'm going to surface photos from your anniversary. So it's a kind of a cool way of discovering photos that maybe you took years ago that you may have even forgotten about.
1: That was exciting. I was waiting for my ability to change the name of life on my app but that didn't come yet
0: (laughs) and i should say i haven't downloaded the the beta version they've released the beta version for uh the iphone and the ipad for developers to try out i did not load it because i don't have an extra device to plug it into i only have my personal phone and the betas at this point are so unstable uh because they're early they're really early full of bugs they kill your battery life and they're going to fix all those issues and hammer them out and so forth before it comes out. So I'm really curious. There's probably a bunch of features that they didn't announce that we'll find out when I get into the beta.
1: Oh, something I didn't catch is how, how back, like what, what devices will be able to support iOS 13? Did you see that by any chance? Uh, so which, which devices, uh, yeah like how you know like right now with twelve like i think like uh what iphone five s can support it, but if it goes back like it won't we won't be able to put in it so i was thirteen
0: will go back of course works on all the modern phones, but the older phones it works with is the uh uh the uh iphone s e iphone six s and iphone seven going forward are all supported so you have to have awesome. it, yeah an iPhone SE or an iPhone 6s or newer.
1: Yay, okay, found it.
0: Also the uh if the we're going to talk about the iPad but just so people know the iPad Air 2 and newer are supported uh with iOS the newest version of iOS as well. So iPad Air 2 uh and uh the 3rd generation iPad Air, iPad mini 4, iPad mini 5 and up.
1: Yeah, now you know. Okay, cool. So if you want all those goodies, I better have something after those devices.
0: So another cool new thing that they're adding, this is going to come across their entire platform as well, including even the watch, is the uh, sign in with Apple.
1: Oh my gosh, I was so excited about that.
0: So when you download an app from the App Store, if they need you to have an account with them so they can maybe sync your data or track or be able to keep you logged in on multiple devices, uh, sometimes you have to create a new username and password, uh, which is a little bit of a hassle. You have to put in an email address, a name, fill out a bunch of form fields, and then they send you... And remember
1: all those passwords.
0: Remember all the passwords. And then even if you give them an email, you then have to go into... The, you open that email and there's a link to activate it, because to confirm that it's really your email address, it's a whole process. And to solve that, uh, Facebook and Google have created a sign in with Google, sign in with Facebook. So you can use your Facebook login or your Google login. But when you do that, two things happen.
1: You get tracked. We should have a sound. Ding 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 so when when that
0: when that happens uh first of all the the person requesting that information uh even though to create an account all they maybe really need is your name and your and an email address and a password uh those those they can request a lot of extra information from you including maybe address birthday some other information that maybe you didn't really feel like they needed and maybe you weren't even entirely where they were getting And on top of that, Google and Facebook are tracking you when you use those sites. When you log in, they're then associating with your existing account. And they're going to tell you they're doing that so they can feed you ads that are relevant. But you lose a little bit of control and privacy there. So Apple's adding their own system in. And that one's going to be tied to your Apple ID. But there's a couple of things that make it special when you go to sign in using this account. If they you get to see exactly what information they want and choose what they get and what they don't get, and what I really like about it, you don't have to do the email verification anymore. Uh, so you get to skip a step of having to go out and go to your mail and find the link and open it up. It's a big hassle. You get that instant sign in. What I really like is that the uh, developer or the whoever is holding the account that you're trying to log into, they don't get your original email. Apple generates a specific email for that specific service. And so that way, the person on the other end can't sell your email to another service. And if they start sending you a lot of junk mail, you can when you unsubscribe, Apple literally deletes that email. So there's no oh, way for them to do Beautiful.
1: <laughs> this is so awesome. Because I have a Gmail account that I use only for those purposes. And it would be so nice not having to manage that. The other nice thing is going to
0: come through, we'll talk about the Apple Watch in a little bit here, but this will also allow you to sign in using your Apple Watch uh, to a a watch application uh, without having to put in a whole bunch of names and passwords and sign in. It's going to be instant.
1: And that's going to make your Apple Watch so much more independent.
0: Absolutely. So it's you know it's the the sign in modes interesting too. I, my one worry when they first suggested it uh, or announced it was I was like, well our developers going to like it because it doesn't give them as much access to things they wanted before. But Apple actually did a whole presentation. They made a lot of good points that it's uh, that makes it very appealing to developers because uh, they get uh, a lot faster logins. Uh, Facebook, they don't have to share their information with Facebook and Google who could potentially become competitors of them so they get to keep that information their login information private as well and uh, they don't have to do email verification which is a whole annoying thing to set up uh, in and of itself so it's actually very compelling to uh, software developers as well not just uh, not just us users who want a little bit more control over our privacy
1: It would be real nice if the government sites would use that. (laughs) Because this week I was using the immigration site. And every time you log in, you don't only have to put your email and your password. But then once you do that, then they text you a code. And then you have to enter that code. And you have to do that every single time you log in.
0: Yeah, they do that as a two-factor authentication system, pretty much, with that
1: text message. And now Apple handles
0: all that on-device, so it's it's pretty great.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so it would be so cool. And and then I think that there is a, also philosophical F, um, implication in, in this whole thing, which is, you know, as a designer and a person with a business background, uh, I know that, you know, this there's distracting and this whole like using your information. It's it's profitable to to you know to the person that, that develops and all that. But I think it will force a greater transparency, you know, between what the developers are doing. And I think it you know, for people that don't have good marketing, uh let's say wholesome right uh sales and marketing uh, techniques i think that will really create a push for those people to be able to use better uh, less scammy um, type of techniques because uh, because they're going to have to be transparent
0: Another thing is apple doesn't need to track you either they're not going to track you through this through this system because they don't they're not an advertising company like facebook and google is and they're tracking you because they want to try to hit you with ads like they want to know where you go uh, and they and and then they know oh here's here's where you live so um you know and it's the middle of summer so i'm going to send you an advertisement for a sunscreen or something like that right Uh, apple doesn't have any advertisements so they 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 say very specifically that they don't they don't track you they don't really they don't care what you're logging into, when you're not logging into uh, the way that those companies do. So they don't need to track you. They don't want to track you. They don't store that information. So- well,
1: you're already their client, so they they don't need. Uh, and I think, you know, like being the client of Facebook or Google, they need those advertisings to survive. So you are their client, but then now they have to sell, right, to their other clients, which is their advertisers, in order to to sort of keep alive and apple doesn't need that so the next thing i want to talk about this thing
0: is generally really good but it does also affect accessibility quite a bit is they have improved Siri's voice using something they're calling advanced neural text-to-speech technology (sighs) so the way that they describe this is when they need to build a word uh in siri basically they're taking a bunch of recordings of different sounds combining them together to make a word And sometimes that ends up with a more robotic sounding voice because it is saying each piece of the words, you know, something like that.
1: (laughs) The way I do dictation, right?
0: That's right. So this new system is supposed to assemble the words uh, using uh, this neural technology that is building the entire voice in the computer rather than using recordings of different syllables that are pronounced, it's supposed to give a better uh, a better sounding voice uh they i've seen the demos, but like I said, I don't have the uh the beta loaded, so I've been able to listen and compare myself but the nice thing about this new Siri voice is Siri's gonna sound a lot more natural sounding, and of course you can use uh those uh these, these voices that are designed with this neural text to speech uh with your screen readers and or tech or you know speak screen functionality anything that's talking to you from the phone or the iPad or or the computer so it's uh, it's going to it's nice to have these cuz especially someone using a screen reader you're listening to this voice all day long the nice every little improvement to the voice and its quality is uh is well is very welcome
1: well i remember it was like a huge, huge improvement when alex came out which is the screen reader that i use at the moment but i think that with this i mean it could, i didn't think alex could get better but this i think will sort of kick alex to the curb maybe we'll see
0: i'm i'm very curious once i well, take my hands on this uh, voice and use it in a more meaningful amount of time so
1: I think for reading, it's going to be amazing.
0: So maybe when we when we get the beta going, maybe we'll put a recording and we'll play it on the podcast for people who want a, a preview of what it's going to sound like. Yeah. Also, speaking of Siri, although it's more of a Siri feature, Siri Shortcuts is being improved. And uh, we've talked about that on the podcast before. Uh, Siri Shortcuts is an app you can load on your iPhone or your iPad uh, to create uh, basically a list of Actions for the phone to perform automatically. This is the way of kind of creating you know, like little macros for, uh, as we talked about, like in Keyboard Maestro, but on your iPhone and your iPad. And uh, I'll give an example for my work. I actually created a uh, a Siri uh, shortcut that uh, asks me, uh, pops up a little message, and it says, "Who did?" You, whenever I work with a client, it says, "Who did you work with?" And I type their name in, and then it said what was the meeting about? And I tap a button and the dictation panel comes up and I dictate what uh, what our, our meeting was about. And then it even asks me to create a bulleted list and then it adds it into the notes app. And then when I get back to the office, I open up the notes app and I have to input it into our database. And so that way when I just, when I'm done with the meeting, I sit in the car, I activate Siri and I say meeting notes and it walks me through uh, all the things I like to have in my meeting notes. And I don't have to do it all manually and it makes it so much nicer.
1: Well, and you made me one for recording when I'm out and about. Sometimes something happens or I want to record something really quick. And having to go and open my uh, voice memo, blah, 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 it was complicated. And now I just say record it. And then it comes on. I just type the name. uh, I mean, type the microphone. I record. And then when it's done, the little thing pops up. I put a title to it and done. It's amazing. I've also used
0: one that I can say, Siri, tell my, tell my wife I'm, heading, I'm headed home, and that will get my current GPS location. It will then find out what the uh, traffic is between my current location and home, and it will send a text message saying, hi, I'm heading home, I'm leaving from, and it inserts the city I'm in, and I'll be home around, and that puts in a time estimate, and it sends her a text message.
1: Hey, you should teach me how to do that. I'm going to do one for Sergio. But instead of him saying, hey, tell I'm um, going home, it has to be one that's like, when I hit this location, send Rachel my ETA.
0: <laughs> so the nice thing with like, uh, oh, and, and that one, if you if you do download right now, you have to go to the App Store and download the Siri Shortcuts app. Uh, and if you do uh, download that, they have an area called the Gallery. And home ETA is one of the first items there. And that's, uh, I modified that one. That's how I created my edit home uh, shortcut. Oh,
1: cool. I'm going to create this one now. Here, I'm going to write it down. And you know what's really exciting? I've been using short series shortcuts so much for everything. Like I use it for my journaling. I use for my camera. I use, I don't know. I'm. I've been using it at least... 10 to 12 times a day. So the cool thing is everything we've
0: talked about so far is something that Siri shortcuts could already do. This isn't even the updated part. The updated part is they're adding multi-step shortcuts uh, where they can take more input, and then they have automated ones where you can say, I would like this shortcut to happen this time of day automatically, or I want it to happen during certain contingencies. So instead of having to activate it by... Uh, asking siri to do it or tapping on its icon uh, inside of the shortcuts app uh, or creating a shortcut button on the desktop it can just happen when uh, certain conditions are met
1: yeah see that's gonna be perfect then i can tell my husband phone when he leaves work send me an eta then i'll know he's coming home yay
0: (laughs) the other thing that's just just interesting, too, is I mentioned that right now, if you want to use it, you have to go to the App Store and download the shortcuts, the Siri Shortcuts app from the App Store. But when iOS 13 comes out, it's actually just going to be part of the operating system. Everyone will have it. You don't have to do any extra steps.
1: Now, I understood that. The thing is, how are we going to, are they going to change then where we go to create the shortcuts? Or is it just going to show up as a app on your home screen?
0: It's going to sh- just show up in as, as an app on your home screen, just like the calendar the or the, any of the app or the watch app or anything of those that okay. show up. It'll just be there. And they're doing that because app developers can create their own shortcuts inside their apps. And uh, it can even, I have, uh, I use an app called Kayak for tracking uh, my trips. And when I opened up the Kayak app, it even, it has a series shortcut recommendation. It said, hey, would you like to create a voice command that will get get your next trip information, like your flight information, and display it. So I can say my kayak trips uh, into Siri and it goes into the kayak app and it pulls up my uh, trip information without even having to launch the app. It just displays it inside the Siri menu. And I have to set Yeah,
1: the... I use uh, day one and it has, has at least uh, five or six
0: different ones. So those commands that you set up will now show up in your shortcuts menu with the rest of your other shortcuts. So if you need to modify the voice command, it'll be easier to do. And that's one of the reasons why they wanted shortcuts on every phone. Also because they want everyone to try to try it out and, and use it more. So I'm pretty excited about the Siri shortcuts update. And I also, there's a lot of accessibility stuff there too, because accessibility, some things are just slower, and you can create some cool shortcuts. And actually, if you go t- into the shortcuts app right now, and you go to the gallery uh there is uh they're highlighting right now uh some specific series shortcut apps specifically for the accessibility community uh and so i haven't explored all of those uh yet uh but uh, uh there's a lot of cool things you can do with it so
1: yeah i haven't seen it i'm going to go look and then i'll tell you but i i use uh, I mean, I, I created my own, but it it will be really cool to see what they have for accessibility. I still want my ability to name my photos. Yeah, I know. Well, Maybe <laughs> we'll
0: get lucky. I'll download the beta and, so, and that'll be there. Something like that will be there, but we'll see. <laughs> I know.
1: Well, I am um, going in a total tangent here super quick. Uh, This week, I, you know, I did a second painting and I took several pictures, uh, as, as the process was going. And then I made my very first iMovie on my iPhone all by myself. So I just pulled, you know, the photos and the video and threw it in there and then said, okay. And then I put it in Instagram. So that was pretty cool.
0: That is very cool. Yeah. I saw that post.
1: Yeah. So I did it pretty much on my own and I was so proud of myself, but that also, uh, the, the difficult part was that, you know, you take so many photos and then you don't know which photo is which, like, I know which photos I took. I just don't know which one is which. And if we could change the name, that's what would really make it amazing. Okay. But back to our accessibility. So another new feature,
0: this is just a, a fun thing more than anything else, but Apple introduced, along with the iPhone 10, a feature called Memoji. And Memoji uses the face tracking uh, features on the front-facing camera. And to create, you can create an animated version of your face. And you can kind of design, you know, pick out your hair and your eyes and your nose and some other little details. So the two things that are new to Memoji, they've added a lot more customization. You can add hats and some other accessories to your face. But up until recently, this feature was only available for people who had an iPhone 10 or uh, or the 10s or 10XR, you know, uh, or just 10R, I should say. Uh, so into these new phones without the home button on it, and so you didn't get because you needed it to do the face tracking. Well, they're making it now so you can create a Memoji uh, without having one of those face tracking apps. And uh, the reason why they had the face tracking is you could make different expressions at the phone and takes pictures and send them to people so you can make like your own personal smiley face or wink or whatever. Uh, what they've made it, what they set it up now is if you don't have a on camera they've got a preset uh, selection of kind of emotions and facial expressions. So then you can uh, basically create your own custom little animated figure and then send different expressions as a sticker pack inside of messages or add it as a contact image that you can send to somebody else so they can have a Instead of having an actual picture of you, they can have a little cartoon picture that you can share with them. And it's just fun.
1: Well, I've only done the Animojis. I haven't done the Memojis. I wonder how accessible they are. I'm going to test it out.
0: It's actually very accessible. Um, they've got pretty good descriptions. Uh, all the menus work with voiceover and describe the different facial expressions and accessories in uh, a moderate amount of detail.
1: Sweet. I cannot wink though, so I don't think my me emoji would be able to wink.
0: Well, with the new update, they'll probably have a preset wink, wink. expression you can you can then use. <laughs> huh. So there's a new uh, a new typing mode they're adding to the keyboard called Quick Path, and Quick Path is a lot like anybody who's used like a, a the swipe keyboard. It's one where instead, uh, usually when you're typing, you would tap on each letter you want. So you would touch and release. So if I was writing hello, I would tap the H and let go. It would type H. I would tap the E and let go. It would say E. Tap the L and let go. It would say L. You know, typing. You know what typing is. So with this new mode here, it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so this new mode here instead of uh, tapping and releasing you would t- take your finger place it on the H and then move your finger without letting go over to the E and then over to the L and then over to the O and you would let go and it would type hello it would kind of notice where you paused as you moved around and it would notice what letters you moved across and it uses a prediction engine to, to guess what you're trying to type and it types it and so some people find this to be a quicker way of typing. I have not been a user of it, so I, I don't know for sure. And like I said, I don't have the beta. And I haven't used, I used an app like this, you know, years ago, but I didn't really, it wasn't really my style. Uh, so I didn't stick to it, but I'll, I'll be interested to give it a try when the beta comes, when the public beta comes out.
1: It will be like a flexi, but instead of typing and swiping, it's going to be you swipe, like you drag. I wouldn't even call it swiping. And I would call it more like you're dragging your finger around with the pattern of the word.
0: Yeah. There's just a famous app called swipe S W Y P E. That was like one of the first people to use this type of typing. Apple's calling theirs quick path. Cause yeah. you're making a little path with your finger. Correct,
1: Yeah. You're more like dragging and swiping like a uh, flexi does the swiping, you know, for your, for finishing each word. Um, I, I'll be interested. I'm not sure if it will fit me well.
0: It'll be interesting. I imagine it. Not using the beta, I can't say for sure, but I would imagine that maybe you have to have like uh, direct touch typing or or one of those typing modes turned on in voiceover, and then you would just do the gestures. But I'll I'll be interested to see how, how it works with voiceover.
1: Well, we will be testing and letting you know.
0: It's probably going to be about a month um, before I'm willing to put the uh, the beta on my phone. Uh, So Apple does a private beta. I kept saying private and public beta. I just want to clarify. So the private beta is one that you have to have a developer account to download. It's the earliest and uh, most recent uh, version of the operating system they're working on, but it's got the most bugs and issues in it. And then what they'll do in about a month is release a public beta. And that'll be a beta that anybody who wants to can sign on and try. It will still have a lot of bugs on it, but it'll be a more stable version of it. So I've heard right now if you download the uh, the beta of iOS 13, your device runs really hot because they haven't done the optimization yet. And so the phone's working extra hard. And so they want to wait till they've got those things down so people don't have, like, really short battery lives or things like that. So that's what I'm waiting for uh and so that's when that's when i'm going to try it. and that's when anybody can try it who wants to although it is uh for the adventurous because uh it, you know bad things can happen the phone can crash when you need it to work things can get deleted by accident and you know, that's why they that's why they do a you know like 3 month beta until they know that they've squashed as many of the bugs as they can before they give it to the general public
1: yes please have a second device if you are going to be adventurous
0: So another thing, just briefly, is they're redesigning the Reminders app uh, in order to make navigation and organization easier. Uh, One of the things right now, if you want to create a reminder, uh, if you use Siri, you can say, you know, remind me tomorrow at 2 p.m. to do X. Uh, But if you open the Reminders app and you want to just type in it, uh, you have to type in the title of your reminder and then flick to the right to get info and then go through a whole bunch of form fields in order to set the date and time, etc. cetera. Yes. So what the new reminders will have is if you go into the text field to add a reminder, you can just throw in those words. Like you could say, uh, you know, take out garbage, and then you can just write at 2 p.m. on Tuesday nights. And then it will see that you've written, you know, like a certain date and time and it will set up the reminder automatically uh, so you don't have to uh, go into all these other form fields.
1: I'm really excited because, you know, I um, installed Fantastical and that's what I've been doing because in Fantastical you can put your, your event or it can be a reminder and it's doing that and I was super excited about. So it will be nice to see that happening on our reminders app. I don't know, uh, I didn't see like how they're going to handle lists and, uh, you know, remind me on a location, because sometimes you have to search for the location, but I'm really, I use a lot that like, you know, remind me when I get home or remind me when I get to uh, Costco to buy whatever, so then Instead of having to get to Costco and open my shopping list and figure out like, well, next time I go, as soon as it enters the Costco parking lot, it lets me know what I need to get.
0: There's also, I'm going to be very curious to get around the user interface. I've just seen pictures of it, but the existing Reminders app user, user interfaces, you basically, it's this card-based interface. So you see, uh, you know, whatever current Reminders list you're in, and then they put the uh, a menu at the bottom that has your other reminders and you've got to tap on that to open up the reminders list. It seems like they're moving into more like something that's closer to like mail or notes for organizing the different lists. And I just think navigation wise, it's going to be easier, but I haven't really jumped into that yet, but, uh, so I'm excited. I use the reminders app a lot too.
1: Yeah. We'll see. We'll keep, keep you know, keep tuned and we'll let you know what's happening. So they also have
0: updated CarPlay. This is a feature that I don't have a car that supports it, so I haven't really jumped into it, but they've uh, they did a user interface update for the CarPlay, which is how the phone integrates with a car stereo system that of course has support for CarPlay. And they've updated the way that it handles music and the calendar and general user interface improvements. So I d- I don't have the uh, I don't have the pleasure of uh of using it myself, so I that's about as much information as I can give you on that. It it looks nice. But uh, I, I can't tell you, like, oh, I'm excited about this. Well, my car doesn't do that. And uh, I'm not in the market for a new vehicle. So uh, I just got to look at it at a distance and appreciate it.
1: <laughs> well, we'll we'll have somebody tell us how it is because I don't have a car. Well, I do, but it's not mine. <laughs> so...
0: Another big thing that will affect everybody is improved performance. If you do have a phone that uses Face ID to log you in, they say that's about 30% faster. So the speed at which FaceTime can recognize you is improved. And that's a software improvement. You don't need a fancy, you you get that regardless of which phone you have. It's not because they got a new camera. They just figured out in software how to make it faster.
1: I am really excited about that because it annoys me because it closes all the time. And then I have to be doing my face and half of the time, you know, like it's okay when I'm at home, but if I'm in a party and I'm trying to get like people's contact information or take a picture, uh, yeah, it gets a little cumbersome.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you're in a hurry and you need it to be just a little snappier.
1: Yeah. So this is going to be exciting, especially like for selfies and stuff as you're going around.
0: They've also figured out in software how to make apps launch faster without without the developers having to do much of anything. Uh, So they say that in some cases, some apps are opening and being ready to use up to two times faster than they are right now. I listened to an an interview where they talked a little bit more in-depth on how they've done it, but a lot of it's just behind the scenes. They've just optimized, 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 so apps will launch faster in iOS 13, and I, I really appreciate that this update and the last update, they really did put an emphasis on increasing performance.
1: I love it.
0: Now, this is part of iOS. We've been talking about iOS 13, the operating system that runs on the iPhone, and it runs on the iPad, but they made it a couple of iPad announcements, and one of those things is they're calling the version of iOS that runs on the iPad iPadOS Now. So the Yay. iPad has its own name. Now, it, it's largely uh, a name change, but it is also them putting an emphasis on the fact that they're adding more and more unique features to the iPad that you won't find on the iPhone, things that make sense for the iPad but don't make sense on the iPhone. So...
1: It, I thought it was very interesting because what happened is, uh, you know, a lot of people tell me that don't own iPads, oh, isn't an iPad just a bigger iPhone? And I'm like, uh, no, there are some extra features. And I think that there is this confusion, you know, in, in general, that people think that an iPad and iPhone do exactly the same. And by the changing the name, it seems like, You know, they're giving us a little hint for the future that the iPad is going to grow more and more as its own device with its own advantages.
0: Like one of the things you can do now on the home screen. So if you use the phone, the iPhone or the iPad for that matter, um, when you open up the the device go into the home screen. You're technically on what's considered the second page, and that's a page of all of your apps. And if you flick, uh, if you flick from right to left, you get to what's considered the first page. Or you do a three-finger flick from uh, left to right. If you're using VoiceOver, you get on, you get into page one. And page one is a selection of what they call widgets, and they're little things apps can display, like a quick look at your calendar, uh, a quick list of your contacts, etc and it used to be on its own page uh with the and that made a lot of sense on the iphone where you don't have a lot of screen real estate to work with you can't display all these widgets and your apps and your whole menus at the same time without things getting very crowded very quickly but the ipad's a big screen so they're allowing you to pin your widgets to your main page so you only so your first page will have your little shortcut widgets which you can customize what those are and your apps um just a little thing like that makes sense on the iPad, does not make sense on the iPhone. Uh, and they've added a lot of support for uh, multi uh, using multiple apps at the same time. Uh, so displaying two apps side by side or having one in a pop-up window. Uh, and because people might be moving those apps around, they're adding a new feature called App Expose, which allows you to uh, look at every. Or if you put the Notes app and you... S- Put it split screen with the Safari app because you're writing notes and doing research on the web. And then you also had notes overlaid in your mail because you were taking uh, taking some notes on an email or, or copy and pasting stuff from there. Uh, when you, Apple Expose will show you, oh, you use notes in these three or four ways and you can kind of launch it up uh, in these split screen or or sub views. And that's something that, once again, only makes sense on the iPad. And they're also adding in uh, a cool feature called sidecar uh, that is for the mac and the ipad so if you have an ipad and you have a mac uh, you can use your ipad as a secondary display basically to extend your visible working space uh, on your uh, on your computer so it's basically like plugging in a second monitor on your ipad But then if this is like an app that has a drawing feature, for example, like a Pixelmator, for example, and you're an artist, uh, you can draw on your iPad and then work up with your drawing on your Mac because it just kind of sends it over. So that's that's some cool stuff that really makes sense on the iPad that doesn't really make sense uh, on the iPhone, for example.
1: I thought that was brilliant because, you know, I remember me in the design school, a lot of Oz had like I think it's called Bamboo. It's like this, you know, tablet that we would like connect to your Mac and be able to do drawings and things. And I mean, this brings the budget down and 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 also makes it, you know, that you can have a device that has multiple functions.
0: They're also taking advantage of the fact that it's got a bigger screen by adding in gestures for copy paste and undo uh, on that device. So, And I'm very curious how these will work along with the voiceover commands. I'll I'll try it out in the beta, but right now the gestures are, if you highlight text on the iPad, you do a three-finger pinch, and that will uh, copy text, and a three-finger kind of spreading your fingers out, a reverse pinch, if you will, uh, to paste, and then a three-fingers flicking to the left will undo. That's That's the gesture that I'm curious how they'll vary it Uh, With voiceover on but
1: I Really wish though that they would create something like that for the iPhone because I copy and paste a lot That would just make life so much easier Uh,
0: On top of that and this is I believe also on the iPhone as well I just missed it here is they're gonna have support for plugging in uh, a USB thumb drives and reading files and writing to files on those drives uh, before, the iPad had not really full support for that, and and the iPad Pro, the new iPad Pro has a USB-C port on it, and you can buy just a USB-C um, thumb drive, and so those will just plug and play into your iPad, although from Understand, you'll be able to do it on the iPhone as well with, a, uh, with an adapter for the uh, Lightning port.
1: That will be sweet. So,
0: those are just the general features on iOS and the iPad, some of them work is accessibility features, but uh, uh, some of them are just generally cool things to have. But there is one really, really big uh, new accessibility feature that they're adding to both those platforms, and it also will work on the Mac as well, called Voice Control. Now, Voice Control will allow somebody to basically use their iPhone and iPad and Mac to do absolutely anything, Using only their voice, the example they used is someone who maybe has uh, motor control difficulties, someone who's maybe paraplegic or has uh, very strong tremors, things that make using the touchscreen very difficult. The user will now be able to, kind of like if people familiar with Dragon Naturally Speaking had some voice commands like this, you uh, think you can say things like you know tap, tap, uh, tap maps, and the maps app opens up and. Then you can say show numbers and it puts a grid on the screen, different numbers. And so you can say uh, zoom in on two and it will go to where two is on the screen and it will do the spreading the two fingers gesture to zoom in there. Uh, and then uh, you can say, uh, you know, press home button or go home and it opens up the home menu You can say, pre- uh, tap on messages, opens up the messages app and then you can dictate uh, what you want to say. You don't have to say dictation mode. You can just begin dictating what you'd like to type. Same. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night, period. And then you can say tap send and we'll tap the send button. And you can this works on both the Mac and the iPhone and the iPad and you can do literally anything. So it's full voice control.
1: I was so excited about that because I have a friend that it's blind but got Parkinson and this is going to make a huge difference. Uh, for him. And then also, um, you know, we've, we've had clients that, you know, were doing trying to do everything with Siri, because, you know, they, they didn't have the time to learn voiceover. So I think this could also potentially help a lot. But I mean, I'm gonna use it just for automation purposes.
0: I'm very curious, voiceover-wise, too, because one of the things that you can do now is voice corrections. It's something that the dictation mode on the iPhone, the iPad, did not have. So, if you dictated something and it came out wrong, you know, one of the words came out wrong, uh, you would have to manually delete mm-hmm. that word and redictate. But now there'll be a voice command that says, you know, if you said, uh, uh, if you're talking about like a, a ship, you're like, oh, I was on the shift and I moved to the aft side. And it wrote, I put to the path side, because those words are similar. You can say correct path, and then say aft, and redo that dictation. And then, you can, and then of course, your text cursor is not at the end. You can say go to end, and it puts your text cursor at the end, and you can begin dictating again. So you can really make corrections, which is something that was very missing uh, from the older versions of dictation.
1: Hey, Jonathan, you might be able to get better text from me from now on.
0: That's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I have so many customers do. They'll dictate out something really long, and then Voiceover reads it back. And there's some little mistake in the middle, and you go, "Ugh, close enough," and send it.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm feeling better now. I only do that to my friends. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I know a lot of people who do that. So I have, I, I have some I friends who are... tell
1: them, "Hey, if you don't get it, just tell me." <laughs>
0: I have a fully sighted friend who, I he does some proofread, and so I get a lot of funny email stuff from him, too. It just just bizarre. And I took great right back me like, what are you saying?
1: <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. I was excited for that.
0: Voice control is really cool. And another thing that it brings to us that they had to do in order to make voice control work is that all of the voice processing is happening on the phone or on the Mac now. When you activate Siri, for example, Siri usually uh, processes the language using a server. So it's basically taking a recording of your voice, uploading it to Apple servers. Apple server is processing the language uh, really quickly and sending the result back down again. But if you're going to be, if you're in a wheelchair and you're going on a, uh, a nature trip out to, you know, you're out in uh, uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, they've got several trails that are wheelchair accessible. And you get out there, and there's no—it's a big national park. There's no cell. There's no cell service
1: out there. Well, you you can't. Unless oh, have... if you use Verizon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Verizon will work better there, though. But just—are you trying um... to get
0: Verizon to sponsor us? Is that what's going on here?
1: <laughs> yeah, I should call them. Hey, sponsor us. Uh, Verizon, uh, no. call us. Yes, call us. No. Uh... Uh, It it will work in some parts of the park, but, yeah, everybody else usually dies by when you get there.
0: Well, the thing is you can't have a voice control system on your phone stop working if you're trying to – let's say you've loaded up all of your hiking trails or your plans or you need to look something up in general or you're integrating the phone into some other assistive technology. Well, the nice thing is voice control is all processed on the phone. It does not rely on an Internet connection or a network connection at all, which also means several other dictation features on the phone will no longer be tied to uh, the internet, which means you'll be able to get some proper, uh, some dictating working, even when your network connection's not strong.
1: Well, and that will increase also your privacy because you know they usually let you know that it's going through a server, so a lot of people don't use dictation for that reason. That's right. Everything's on
0: device and it never leaves the device so it's a very, it's a much more private uh, function as well. And I can't believe they launched it usually when, you know, like even Dark Mode came out for the Mac before it came out for iOS, or VoiceOver came out for the Mac before it came out to iOS. There's all these accessibility features, uh, you know, they're working on one platform for another. Voice Control is out for everything on day one uh, of its launch. That's, that's, I, it's really good, and the only way this is possible Come am going to come back to, a, come back to a bigger topic here. But the only way this is possible is how, so when you say voice control, tap send button, how does it know that is the send button? Because someone might have put a, a little blue, like the send button in messages is actually a blue circle with an arrow pointing up. It doesn't say the word send. So how does it know that it should press the send button? Well, Apple uh, knows that there are people who are using voiceover or switch access to control the device. And so they have an accessibility label that says send, and it's those accessibility labels that voice control uses so that you can say the name of a button, even though it might be a picture. Uh, now you can also, if you don't know the name of a button, you can say show numbers, and it puts numbers next to everything, and there's other ways of figuring it out. But what that means is that the, is that the accessibility work Apple has done to make voiceover work is the underpinnings that's, that allows voice control to work. Voice control would not work the way it does right now, without voiceover. Yes. And so these features, these accessibility APIs that they've built allow them to build new features like voice control. And it's important for developers to continue to maintain accessibility on their device. Now when you work on that accessibility features, on your app, you're not just helping out voiceover users. You're helping out switch control users. You're helping out voice control users. It's a it, you're no longer just building for one for one disability market when you work on your accessibility. You're building for a
1: huge
0: collection of people.
1: Well, and creating the underpinning, like I said, you know, good design seventy percent is. I mean, good accessibility seventy percent of it is good design. So when you create, when you take the time to create those underpinnings that's back and that it's functional, that it works, then everything else falls into place.
0: And voice control, they're displaying it as an accessibility feature, which it certainly is, but it's going to be used way outside of just access, people who need it. An example would be like, I'm immediately thinking, uh, I'm going to probably want to turn it on when I am... Um, Using uh want to use my phone when I'm in the kitchen cooking something and I got my hands dirty and I don't want to touch my phone. Well, I can use voice control and I can go through all its menus and tap on anything and flip the page on the you know if I'm cooking something I can get it to change the page or tap on things etc.
1: Hey, I didn't think about that. My phone will be a lot cleaner now. (laughs) That's right. Now I thought about the like the silliest use for it. Wait for it. You're holding your phone right right in front of you and you want to take a selfie with your friends and somebody has like the longest arm out there and then you want to like you know push the the take picture and like and then it moves and it gets on focus now the longest arm can just hold it up and you just say take picture
0: that's right actually that's a really great point i thought about that
1: Yeah, well, you think about more useful things than me
0: most of the time. Well, I'm like, well, I'm going to use that for sure, though. (laughs) So So this is all processed on device. Apple's also updated the quality of their dictation recognition. Uh, And they've also set it up so that you can switch between commands and and, uh, writing dictation without having to use a special command. It kind of figures out what you're doing. You can select text. uh, You can... And, you know, select text, add capitalizations, make corrections. Uh, you can add custom words uh, that uh, maybe you're using about a topic or, or that voice control is not recognizing. It is uh, pretty, pretty comprehensive, especially for a, a new feature.
1: It's so exciting. I just wish we had like fireworks sounds for it. You can also
0: perform any gesture with your voice. You can say pinch, swipe. Zoom, press home button, tap you know whatever you whatever your voice commands are, and it will it will perform those. Uh, and it also, if you want, has a attention awareness feature. So if uh, for instance, somebody is you know, a wheelchair user if you've got their phone mounted and pointed in their general in their direction, so it's facing their, it's looking at their face the the dictation mode will know when you're looking at the phone because it's got the face tracking. And so when you look away to talk to somebody else, uh, it will turn off the dictation. Uh And then, when you turn back towards the phone, it will turn it back on again. Of course, this is an an optional feature uh but uh it's kind of neat for uh, someone who's got their phone mounted, so the phone's always looking at them and they want to have a conversation not to the phone. Well, it's important for the phone to know it's not being talked to uh so you can just turn your face away now you can also use there's a voice command to say "Go to sleep," and that'll and that'll make it stop listening as well but the the face uh, the the fa- attention awareness is just kind of cool
1: yes that is really cool like uh i think i have a friend that uses an ipad mounted on her chair and i think that will be
0: super cool uh so that's the the big announcement for the iphone and the in the ipad for accessibility they're also doing some general improvements uh to voiceover and they're expanding the amount of countries they support braille input uh with uh so so some tweaks to the other systems, but and they've also adding in uh, some more robust features for uh, color blindness. Uh, so the phone adjusting colors to infer uh, the functionality of the operating system uh, when you might not be able to tell the difference between red and green, for example. Being red-green color blindness being one of the most common versions of color blindness. And uh, yes. And a little thing is that uh, on the iPhone, you can increase the text using a feature called dynamic type. So you can go into the accessibility settings and you can say, I want my type to be larger. And across the operating system, that type gets bigger. Uh, But there's been two things that have been an issue around that. One is some people are, in addition to using text, you're using a glyph or a small image. uh, That also infers the meaning. So a mailbox... In the Mail app, when you're choosing your mailboxes, they actually have a little picture. It looks like a little, like an inbox uh, that someone might have on their desk, for example. And when you increase the size of the text, that little picture cha- cha- stays the same size. And that picture is there uh, to be a visual cue. Uh, especially if someone has a hard time reading, they might be able to make out the image. But the image stays tiny. Well, not anymore. They're opening up a new glyph library uh, that will allow um, users to use uh, one of Apple's, like, thousand glyphs. And those resize with the text, so you have a larger. So you've got a user interface that both the imagery and the text gets larger. And then on the tab bar and other small user interface items that can't get larger, you might say dynamic type gets bigger, but they've got a little. They've got a section of five buttons across the bottom. If they get bigger, nothing would fit. Uh, they're adding a new API in place so that the user can place their finger on one of those large, uh, one of those smaller items, and a large print image will appear above it to show you what that is. So you can get larger text uh, on small uh, user interface buttons as well that otherwise couldn't resize. Uh, but they'll let you know that you should let everything resize that should be resizable. It's only in with those small few exceptions that they will allow this other feature to also make it large text.
1: I think this is very exciting for the baby boomer generation. And Literally anybody after 40, because, you know, we know that vision degrades. So I think this is brilliant and is going to serve not people just with disabilities, but anybody that's having some vision degradation.
0: So that covers what I wanted to talk about with the, uh, their mobile platforms, the iPhone and the iPad. And we're already an hour in here, so I'm going to move a little bit faster as we talk about the Mac here. Uh, 'cause the Mac or o- maybe
1: maybe we should do a whole different episode on the Mac,
0: <laughs> actually, it's probably not a bad idea too, uh, yeah
1: because I mean not not a, most people that use um I mean, most blind people use iPhones and just a handful of us use Macs actually, that's a
0: good idea, so we so that I don't speed through it, why don't we uh next time talk about the updates coming to mac os uh, 10 Catalina, as it is called, uh, because none of these features are coming out to the fall anyway. So you've got some time. So we've got some time to talk about it.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. there, there's two other things I want to say really quick, though. Is uh, uh, there's also an updates coming to HomePod, their speaker system. Oh, yes. And HomePod will now be able to recognize different users by recognizing their voice. So if you've got uh, – if you're, like, an Apple Music subscriber, for example, uh, and you go to your HomePod and you say, oh, play me play, play, play me some, uh, like, happy music, it, it looks at your listening history and tries to provide, you know, artists and types of music that you'll like. But if there's more than one person with more than one type of tastes, uh, it didn't have a way of differentiating between the two people. Or if you wanted to say, hey, to your HomePod, you wanted to say, hey, remind me to do this tomorrow – uh, it could only assign it to one person's reminder app. Well, they're adding multi-users for that. It will recognize different voices, and so more than one person can take advantage of some of those HomePod features.
1: I thought that was fairly exciting, but the most um, interesting part is how fast, you know, like sort of artificial intelligence is it's growing in the sense of, being able to tell one person from another. I thought that was fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's a big challenge. It's interesting. The other thing that's also getting multi-user support is the Apple TV. So um, I like that because uh, if you, once again, have viewing preferences and using an Apple TV, there's one more person in the house. You can now set up multiple users. It's also good if there's children, you can set up a special user for them that, uh, uh, you know, has more restricted access to certain content. So, for so Apple TV also gets multi-user support.
1: Yay! It's Matt. Like I felt that this time everything is going multi. That's right. Yes, we're gonna call it the multi update.
0: So that uh well that covers iOS and iPadOS and we, like I said a little bit about a HomePod and the Apple TV here. We will spend some more time getting in deep with the macOS next time and I I actually have downloaded the beta for that one on uh, on my laptop because that one's a bit more stable than the iOS one is. So I'll be able to talk for more personal experience on that one when we talk about it next time.
1: Yes. And then we also going to talk about watches
0: Yes, oh! the Watch OS uh, has some cool new features as well. Very and it deserves
1: it. a lot of attention.
0: And it's a uh, move even for, closer and closer to uh, the watch having full independence. So very excited about it's that. My as well.
1: kind of thing.
0: <clears throat> That'll be good because you know I'm very excited for the time when people will be able to get the watch, but won't necessarily have to either a have their phone with them most of the time, uh, or B, even own an iPhone because there's some cool things, uh, especially like because the Apple Watch right now has got fall detection. And I know a lot of seniors who could really benefit from that, but they also don't necessarily want a smartphone. Uh, But the family might want them to have that fall detection and that emergency SOS mode. And uh, as, as soon as we make that independent, that will be something that I think a lot of seniors will be interested in.
1: <laughs> so talking about SOS mode, yesterday I had my watch really tight. And, you know, I, I was like, I put my hand on the floor because I was picking something up. So I had my, my watch hand on the floor and I was picking something up from under the couch. And then I pressed the, you know, the, what do you call it? I pressed the crown for a long time. So then, and then, we, Wee? Wee? And I was like, oh my gosh, she's gonna call 911. So I had to like stop real quick and get it. But imagine like 911 shows up like three minutes. I like, was like, no, it was just me <laughs> being dumb.
0: Oh. I, had a, I had a friend use uh, SOS mode after a car accident. Uh, a while mm-hmm. back and they did not realize one thing they used it because they wanted to contact the, the, the police. And mm-hmm. what they didn't realize is that they, cause they had, when they set up the device, they'd set up an emergency contact. Uh, which, uh. Uh, and so she didn't realize it called her emergency contact because she, so she wasn't following up with her husband. And so her husband gets this alert that SOS mode has been alerted and has an address. And of course she's on the, uh, on the phone with emergency services and he's trying to call her back. Uh, to figure out what's going on. Of course, she doesn't want to leave emergency services. So then he ends up at the at the scene, and she's like, "How did you know where I was?" And she's like, "You set <laughs> me up in his emergency contact. When you initiate SOS mode, <laughs> it sends it sends your location to your emergency contact, so that exactly yeah. like this, they can come and and get to you."
1: That happened in yoga class. Like I think, uh, you know, it was the same thing. Uh, I kept pushing the watch, and then at some point. Uh, Sergio called and called, and like, I I walked on. I was like, "What's going on?" And he's like, "What? Did something happen?" And I was like, "What? No." So I called nine one one, and I said, "Hey, nothing happened." <laughs> so they they actually were about to send like uh, someone.
0: So it's a very cool mode to have, but uh, yeah, don't don't. <laughs>
1: but don't be stupid.
0: <laughs> don't be stupid and and uh, and don't don't. Yeah, they say don't don't test it. It works. Um. <laughs> yeah,
1: it does work. I can attest to it. Don't don't play with it. It's a serious thing.
0: <laughs> all right, so all right. I think we've so. kept everyone here long enough. Let's wrap it up.
1: Well, thanks for listening this far. If you're still with us,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you've got feedback for us, send it to us at feedback at access That's feedback at access.ninja. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, if you can jump on whatever your favorite podcaster is and give us a rating, we'd really appreciate it. So, uh, you know, be good to each other. All right.